episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and today I'm going to be doing a solo pod. Actually, Reese is going to give his takes as well, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. But today, this week, actually, we can't meet. Uh, my evenings are completely booked. His afternoons are completely booked, so our schedules are kind of flip-flopped. I'm doing an opera out here in Arizona, and uh, yeah, basically by the time I come home, it's like 1 a.m. for Reese, and Reese, he's got to get up, he's got to do the daily grind, he's got to take his dog out to go to the bathroom, he's got to fix his bathrooms, I know he's still renovating, we got to do a renovating Reese update too. Um, but anyway, we just we just don't have any time to meet together and talk, so we're going to do our takes separately. It's probably good that we do our takes separately for this one because I think we're going to be so heated that we actually might break GarageBand or whatever recording system we're using. Um, we might break Spotify with all the heat, with all the fire. Um, so it's good that we're doing it separately so that we don't injure any electronic equipment as we talk about this horrible, horrible loss to the Denver Broncos. Um, before we get into it, actually, no, I'm going to let Reese still do his social media blur because he's been doing it for the past three years and he does it so eloquently. I would just kind of make stuff up and say, follow us on Be Real. I don't think we have a Be Real. Do you guys know what a Be Real is? It's like where you take a selfie, but then you're also taking a picture of the thing that you're looking at while you take a selfie. It's very strange, but I guess people like that, and people like sending those things. Um, I don't have one. But hey, if you donate on Patreon, you give us, I don't know how much money for us to spend like an hour trying to figure out some cool B-reels, then yeah, we'll we'll put up a B-reel, just donate like 100 bucks, and then we'll go ahead and make a B-reel account. It'll be called Fountain City Sports Media B-reel on B-reel, and then uh, we'll share our fun selfie photos in our cubicles, and our stages, and our cars, in our backyards. Uh, cool. All right. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and this, again, terrible loss to the to the Denver Broncos. Another weird game. The Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs 24 to 9. Um, let's see what happens here. It snaps our 16 straight win streak against the Broncos, which is tied third most longest for any opponent in NFL history. Um, also snaps our third straight division, thirteenth straight divisional win, which was the fourth longest by any team since the 1970s merger. So hey, all good things have to come to an end. And when it comes to the AFC West, I guess these current streaks had to come to an end. And it came to an end in a very weird game, right? We had Patrick Mahomes on the um, on the injury list as an illness. Uh, we thought we were going to see the Michael Jordan flu game. We thought he was going to go out there being carried by Travis Kelsey onto the field. Andy Reid giving him a blessing from God and then Patrick going out there and absolutely cooking. But unfortunately, he did not cook. Russ cooked and Patrick Mahomes cooked the way Russ normally cooks. If you got all that. Um Patrick Mahomes, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and three sacks. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson, three touchdowns. <laughs> Actually, he got rocked. He got six sacks on the day. Uh, and, and we'll talk about you know who is to blame for this loss, but I'm going to say from the beginning, this definitely was not the defense's fault. Yes, Russ was cooking because he was able to cook because uh, we gave him opportunities like in the red zone, uh, we gave him an opportunity to only go down the field 30 yards, only go down the field 10 yards to score a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, look, if like Blaine Gavert would have had that much, you know, opportunity on first down to start the drive starting on the opponent's 10. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's probably going to score a touchdown. You got Javante Williams. Sure, Javante could punch it in. Anyway, we're going to talk about that, but the blame does not solely go on the defense for this one uh this goes on Patrick Mahomes this goes on our offense this goes on our wide receivers things that we've talked about week after week after week after week about this team and unfortunately the trade deadline has passed we're recording this after the Tuesday trade deadline and guess what we didn't sign anybody we're rolling with this crew 
Is anyone else afraid like I am? Is anyone else afraid that we're rolling with Justin Watson, MVS, Noah Gray, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney? Now, of course, I've left out Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco. But all of this matters. (laughs) I'm not too happy about this. After losing to one of the worst defenses in the NFL, by the way, we're going to get to that too. We're going to get to what the DVOA stats were uh, for the Denver Broncos. You know what? Screw all this do right now. So for those of you that don't know, DVOA stats is, um, are very particular stats that tells that, that gives a really accurate picture as to how defenses are playing and how offensive play um, based on analytics. So remember, the lower the number, the better. So like if if the percentage is low, that means that that defense played well. So here is Denver's defensive DVOA starting in week four against against the Bears. 45% DVOA against the Jets week five. 27% DVOA against the Kansas City Chiefs right after they play the Jets. Reminder, the lower the number, the better for the defense. Kansas City, 3% defensive DVOA. Atrocious. Remember, week six, what did Hot Take Mondo say? He said the Kansas City Chiefs would lose in week eight against the Denver Broncos because of how poorly we played against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. What happened? 24-9. Sometimes you hate when you're right, but sometimes you see it coming. I saw this coming. Anyway, let me go back to these stats. So Kansas City, 3% defensive DVOA by the Denver Broncos. Week 7, they play the Jordan Love Green Bay Packers that are just in shambles. 26% defensive DVOA. Okay, what happened in week 8? Negative 45% defensive DVOA. Negative 45%. (laughs) That is like 2001 Ray Lewis Baltimore Ravens defensive numbers. Are you kidding me? We go from 3%, which I thought was already bad, to negative 45% DVOA. This is from Aaron Schatz. Yes, his name is Schatz, Um, unless he goes by Schatz, but I'm pretty sure it's Schatz. Aaron, this is from Aaron Schatz on Twitter. An analytics mind for the NFL. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. And of course, we had the flu game. Like I said, let me go back to that from Patrick Mahomes. And it's not that Patrick Mahomes looked less athletic. It didn't look like he wasn't getting the throws in. It wasn't like he was making the wrong throws. He was holding the ball a lot, though. To me, I started to see 2021 Patrick Mahomes. This is like pre-pocket Patrick Mahomes, where Patrick Mahomes' default was to roll out. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't look down the field immediately when the snap came, he'd roll left to right. And that's kind of what it looked like. He looked very jittery. And this can go hand in hand with the flu, right? I mean, have any of us been in a cohesive mind when we're just feeling like absolute crap? You got the flu, you're throwing up left and right, doing other things too. You know, is, is your mind just completely calm and completely at peace when it's probably the most cerebral position in sports that you have to do this as a quarterback? So look, did his jitteriness come from having the flu? Possibly. But he did not look calm in the pocket. And uh, credit to the to the Broncos defense. I mean, the, the, the edge rushes were coming in pretty quickly. But despite that, it just seemed like Pat... Didn't feel like he can make the throws in the pocket. But most importantly, and non-flu related, he's not trusting his wide receivers. And do I blame Pat? No. Because when you look back at the film, if you guys go back and and look at this, you know, look, look at the game replay, just go on YouTube. None of these wide receivers are getting any separation. A lot of our success comes from screenplays. A lot of our success comes from very quick, you know, programmatic plays that are meant to already have space when the ball is immediately snapped. But the separation that these wide receivers are trying to get is problematic. 
We're not seeing MVS get separation. We're not seeing Kadarius Tony get separation. By the way, let's talk about Kadarius Tony. I have this really ridiculous stat. Kadarius Tony in the his seven regular season games with the Kansas City Chiefs last year. 14 catches for 171 yards, two touchdowns, five carries, 59 touchdowns. In eight games this year, remember that's one more, one more game than I just compared. 19 catches, 109 yards, only one touchdown, six carries, which is more than last year, for negative five yards. Remember, I said Kadarius Tony was going to be wide receiver one in this in this offense. Because we saw spurts, right? We saw some great plays by Kadarius Tony. We saw him get into space. I don't know if he's still recovering from injury. I don't know if his ankles really hurt. And I don't know if he still has those knee problems, but something's not right. Something's not right with him and his chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And it's a big problem. It's a big problem because the trade deadline is passed and we didn't get anybody. No Mike Evans. No DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, it's Will Levis' season out in Tennessee. I called that in the summer. I said Will Levis was better than... Bryce Young, and after one game, I'm uh, proven to be right. Anyway, another story for another day, but we didn't get anybody. So we have to rely on the guys that we have in Patrick Mahomes in a game where he should dominate, even though he has the flu. He's playing one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and he still can't trust his wide receivers. And these are the wide receivers he's going to have for the rest of the year. Big problem. Big problem. So... We just keep beating ourselves. It's not that, you know, it's not the Broncos were built different this weekend. It's just that Patrick Mahomes got jittery, extended the play, but in a been a not a good way. It wasn't like it wasn't like our wide receivers were trying to find the holes in the in the zone, right? It wasn't like there was soft zone and then we got Travis Kelsey finding the zone and Travis Kelsey goes for 200 yards. No, it was that <laughs> they were trying to make plays. They couldn't get separation. Patrick Mahomes goes, oh crap. Tries to make, you know, lemon out of, sorry, lemonade out of bad lemons and nothing happened. Travis Kelsey, no touchdowns. Tried the best he could, 58 yards. But Kadarius Toney, one target, one reception, four yards. Sky Moore, ah, Sky Moore. Come on, man. Three targets, one reception, eight yards. On paper, this game looks like it was a blowout, and it was not a blowout. We got to the last quarter, and Sky Moore just fumbles the ball. Pat puts it right in his arms, in the end zone, for a touchdown, wide open. Sky Moore drops the ball. Is this our first issue with Sky Moore? Nope, it's not. Is this our first issue issue with dropping balls this year for our wide receivers? No, it's not. Teams with the most dropped balls this year. I'm starting from five going to one. Colts, 11 drops. Cowboys, 11 drops. Lions, 12 drops. Rams, 13 drops. And the winner for the most drops in the NFL goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. 15 drops this year. 15. Lowest drops in the NFL, tied for first, the Denver Broncos with four. Big issue, big problem. We had a wide receiver problem. We've had a wide receiver problem six since week one. We have addressed that problem on Found City Sports Media. We've had a couple games where we've clicked. But since week one, Reese and I have been ringing the bell, ringing the alarm firing the alarm for help where is mike evans where is deandre hopkins where is someone that can come in and help us out oh we get mccall Harmon. great drops a punt puts russell wilson on first and goal has he done this before yep yet we still put him out there <laughs> now look it's hot or cold with mccall right first game he came back he he set us up for a touchdown with one of his punt returns this time, not good. Not good. Why isn't Kadarius Tony back there? Just put him back there. Look, I don't even care if Kadarius Tony is a part of the offense anymore. I'm done with him. 
punt punt returner though let's do it just put him as punt returner have him save his whatever give justin watson some of that Kadarius tony snap percentage like tony rest and let him just be the punt returner we saw in the super bowl he was massive right probably won us the super bowl because of his because of his punt returns get him out of the offense put him out there mccall hardman is too hot and cold we can't do hot and cold right now Right, we're six and two. We're about to face the Miami Dolphins, and then we're gonna face the the Philadelphia Eagles. We don't have time to play around anymore. The first six weeks we were allowed to play, and we did. We screwed around and we won all those games. We were six and zero. Oh. We can't screw around anymore. We we had the opportunity to. You can play with adjustments. You can play with rotations. You can play with whatever you want during those six games. Now we got Dolphins and Eagles. Okay, it's time to be professionals. It's time to put the unit out there that we think is going to be out there for your Super Bowl, for the playoffs. Because if not, we're not going to sniff a playoff. We're not, oh, sorry, we will sniff playoffs. We're not going to sniff a Super Bowl. If we're rolling out MVS there and he's, he's got more snaps than Justin Watson. I love Justin Watson. Put him out there. Let him be wide receiver too. Okay, but we're in trouble. The alarm has been sounded. The alarm will always be sound for we got to figure something out with these wide receivers. Thank God for Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Jerry Rice, baby. Do you see the speed on that guy? Woo! When he came, when he, when he, we, when the draft came and we did, you know, our scouting reports on Rasheed wasn't about his explosive ifs. It was about his one-on-one catches. About his one-on-one, he was the best in college football, which is exactly what we needed. But we're seeing different things from Rashid that are amazing. Haven't really seen a lot of one-on-one. But we're seeing this dude play a Kadarius Tony role, play a McCole Hardman role, play this faux Debo Samuel role, and he's excelling. He's big, he's athletic, but he's also quick. He showed us a spurt today. How many targets did he have? Five targets, caught caught four of them for 56 yards. You know, we got to start playing this dude all over the place. Put this dude in the slot. Put this dude all over so he can be explosive. He's our only hope right now. And I think the, the Chiefs have said he's their only hope because we didn't get anybody else. Rasheed Rice, you are wide receiver one for the rest of the year and you are going to be responsible for whether we win a Super Bowl or not. Travis Kelsey is going to be there. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be there. But Rasheed Rice, you're the guy now. You're the guy. You're wide receiver one. Ain't no way in hell Sky Moore is going to figure it out all of a sudden and become wide receiver one. Ain't no way in hell McCole Hartman is going to figure it out and become wide receiver one. Definitely no way in hell mid-Valdez Scantley is going to figure it out and be wide receiver one. Had one great catch. Great. MVS is like the guy that, you know, He'll have one one reception for 90 yards. Cool. That doesn't make you wide receiver one. Give us one play. That's fine. That's If that's who you are, then that's who you are. But you're not wide receiver one. Rasheed Rice, it's you, man. You're doing well. I'm sorry that the Kansas City Chiefs have put you in this predicament to now become the guy. Maybe you're not ready to be like the Super Bowl guy. But you're the guy now, man. Here, here we go. Here we go. Patrick Mahomes, Rasheed Rice. Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco. Everyone else, make one play. Catch the ball. One target for one reception. Just do that. Just do that. Everyone. MVS, Justin Watson, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney. Jeremy Kidding, give us, give us two targets, two catches. <laughs> but that should win us games. That should win us games. And right now, none of that's happening. And it's not great. It's not great because we play the Dolphins and we play the Eagles. All right, what else do we got? That's enough. That, that's enough on the offense. Making me sick. Defense. Despite that game, the Broncos scoring 24 points. That's the most points scored against the Chiefs this year. The defense is still top five. Top five in DVOA. Pretty crazy. And again, was not the defense's fault. They actually put the offense in great positions. A lot of great things happening, except 
Chiefs have five turnovers. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, I'm sorry. Like, what? How, how much? How much does Drew Tranquil have to do? How much does Karloftis have to do? How much does Amenahu have to do? It's just wild. But shout out to our guys, man. I got to buy a Charles Amenahu jersey. This guy is popping off. Has half a sack. Five tackles. George Karloftis, finally, man. Remember two years ago, or sorry, last year I said, Karloftis, he's almost there. He's like he's like one millisecond away from tackling the quarterback. He's always almost there. And now he's there, man. Two and a half sacks, one of the best QB pressures in the NFL. Top 10 per PFF. Karloftis, Amenahu. Actually, Chris Jones had a tough game, but I know they were double covering him the whole game. Um, but look, you you cannot fault this defensive line. They got to Russell Wilson. Six sacks, man. Six sacks. We just had some blown plays. We had that Jalen Watson blown coverage to Jerry Judy in the end zone. You can't make that. A lot of great passes, though. A lot of great passes from Wilson to, to Judy. Um, who else made a big who else made a big play? Sutton Sutton made that big play as well. So look, what are you gonna do when those big plays happen? Jalen Watson, you gotta tighten it up, but Again, this is not the defense's problem. Saw a great play. Thank God for Drew Tranquil, man. Brett Veach might CEO, or sorry, GM of the year by having Drew Tranquil as Nick Bolton's backup. Because I don't know how long Nick Bolton's going to be gone, but Drew Tranquil is an amazing plug-and-play guy. And look at Leo Chanel. Look at Leo Chanel coming up there, too. Tranquil 11 tackles Chanel. 10 tackles with a sack man love love to see it love to see it. i have nothing bad to say about this defense i i look forward to our next match matchup why don't we just get to the next matchup let me see if i'm missing anything from this broncos game what have i talked about we're in trouble sky Moore's not good mccall hardman's not good Kadarius tony where are you yeah, i think that's what i wanted to talk about rasheed rice is built different drew tranquil and george karloftis are dope Yep, I talked about everything I wanted to talk about. So let's go into the next game. Look, we're going to lose this game already. Hot Tech Mondo, we're losing. Why? The Dolphins have been in Munich for like four days already. The Chiefs haven't even left to Munich. You watch any of these European games in London or in Germany, Mexico, anywhere where you have to travel and you're going to a foreign country... They're weird games. They're very weird games. More so when you have to travel very far, like to London or Munich. It's not like these quarterbacks are popping off. It's normally like a run-based game. It's like seven to two, seven to nine, six to twelve, eight to thirteen are the scores. Very low-scoring games. Because it takes a long time to adjust. It takes a long time for your bodies to adjust. You think Patrick Mahomes? battling the flu has to play a game gets roughed around in a Broncos game is going to go to Munich and be completely healthy ready to go with jet lag after after the flu have you ever had the flu and then like gone back the next day after the flu's done you still feel like crap and now you have to travel across country intercontinental travel and you're leaving on Thursday going to get in around Friday and have to play Sunday with like you know, one day of horrible jet lag. Yo, I don't know if their bodies are going to be ready. You got, you are facing the most athletic team in the NFL and they got their days before you. They're at the Hofbrau house. They're feeling good. Cheersing. Fast as hell. I don't think it's going to be close. I think we're losing this game. We got a great defense. The Dolphins, obviously... The hottest offense in the NFL right now. Um, good luck, Jalen Watson. I think Trent McDuffie is going to hold his own. Good luck, Legereus Sneed. I, I, I wishing you all luck. Justin Reed banged up. Good luck, Mike Ed, Edwards. Because you got to face a Tyree Kill that knows your defense extremely well, knows where to find soft coverage. You got a guy in Jalen Jalen Waddle, just as athletic as Tyreek Hill. They got Chase Claypool, who I know is mid, but 
He's fast. He can he can get some blown coverage somewhere. So look, this is not going to be a walk in the park. I think we lose this one as well, just because it's a weird game. We didn't prepare for it. We're not over there. We're not really. Doesn't seem like we're that serious about it. And our offense is in shambles. Look, maybe they might have a kumbaya moment in the 13 hours that they go to Munich. Maybe they all sit down in the plane. They define their roles. They throw a nerf ball to Skymore for 13 hours straight to get his coordination right. I don't know. I don't know, but something's got to click, and I don't think it's going to click next week or this week against the Dolphins. This bye week couldn't come any sooner because we got to figure out a game plan for the Eagles. I mean, if we lose three straight and we're six and four with a streaky Chargers team, that's not good. With a rejuvenated Broncos team at three and five, that's not good. So look, we're in trouble. Not a lot of great things coming out of this week, except for Rasheed Rice's him. So I hope Rasheed Rice can win us the Dolphins game. I don't think he can. Um, but here we go. Here we go. Let's say I'm going to say this game is, I think I think our defense, this is a great game for our defense because we're matched up incredibly well with one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. If we couldn't hold the Broncos to 24 or to 25 points, how about, how about 24, another 24, 24 to 14? Dolphins. Yeah, I don't I don't like that either. I don't like that either, but what are you going to do? That's what this team is presenting to us, and that's what we got. So, Patrick Mahomes, rest well. Talk to your boys, particularly Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. See how we can fit them in. McCall Harmon, catch your punt returns. Charles Amenehue, Tranquil. Chris Jones, Karloftis, keep doing your thing. You're saving us out here. All right, that's it for me. This is Hot Take Mondo. I think in a minute you're going to hear Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar, a.k.a. Referees. You're going to hear all his takes soon. So stay tuned for all that. And uh, pray for us as we play the Dolphins in Munich. So go Chiefs! This is absolutely going to be a good time. I'm pretty sure Armando said he's just going to hand off the podcast to me after the musical break. So I don't think I need to give a hello and welcome, but I have no idea what he just said. I've done my best to like not listen to his podcast this week because I'm just going to be curious and have a surprise to see what he has to say versus what I have to say. I'm doing like the Spider-Man not reading the book thing where he's grabbing his wrist. You know that meme? Because it's like, I want to hear what Mondo says. But at the same time, I want to give you just like completely unbiased opinions from my viewpoint on this Denver Broncos massacre and the upcoming Dolphin debacle. So... Hey there. This is going to be an awfully fun start to the podcast because it's been an awfully fun start to the morning. Uh, First is last. The worst thing that's happened is that my wife took the last of the coffee this morning and I don't want to make... We use one of those Bialetti mocha pots, if you've ever seen those. And it's just like, I I don't want to make an entire like six cup Bialetti mocha pot for myself because either A, I'm wasting a bunch of coffee... Or B, I'll be in the ER later today with heart palpitations because that stuff makes like straight jet fuel. You've, I know you've seen this. If you don't know what these are, look up Bialetti Mocha Pot. It's that little silver thing. It looks like it's essentially an Italian coffee percolator. And Italian coffee is basically like pure espresso, but not quite as concentrated. But lo and behold, uh, the Chiefs offense could use a little bit of Bialetti in their system after this last week. Uh, the other thing that went really bad today is that, as I mentioned, you know, in my new house, I I back up to the woods, and we have a short fence in the back. Like, imagine a chain-link steel fence. Sometimes you see, like, the shorter version of that chain-link steel fence. I would guess this is maybe, like, up to my hip. So let's let's be generous and call this, like, a three, three three-and-a-half-foot fence. So Bowie gets me up in the morning to play tug with him, and just where we are in the world cycle right now, it's still dark at 6.30 when Bowie's getting me up. So I went outside, and I played tug with him, and uh, halfway through playing tug in the back of the woods, all of a sudden I just hear like, 
a big lumbering something. And Bowie, <laughs> Bowie dropped the toy and turned his head. And I vocalized what he said. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> so Bowie runs to the back of the fence to go inspect what's going on there. And I just hear that thing like moving. And I'm just like, holy crap. I mean, we, we get animals behind there. Don't get me wrong. Like I've heard we get we get squirrels, you know, we get birds, we get woodchucks. But no, this was something where if you're giving it like the aural pat down of how big this thing is, there were like multiple strata layers of leaves moving and some weight to it. And, you know, just the way it was going, I'm like, holy crap. So, you know, you being a big brain guy, I am, I take out my cell phone and like turn on my flashlight, which of course, you know, an iPhone's only going to light up like five feet at best. So I'm like, what do you see back there, bud? And Bowie runs right up to the fence and I hear that thing coming towards the fence, just like a horror film, just going, ksh, ksh, and I'm like, holy crap, there's going to be a big old climax. Bowie's either going to bark at this thing or this thing's going to like hop the fence and they're going to go at it. And I'm being a putz, I'm eyeing the wood pile of the tree I cut down. So I'm like, I wonder if there's a branch over there big enough for me to grab to whap this thing if I need to. But I'm just standing there, you know, with my cell phone camera, like shining light on whatever I can't see. And just just like in the movies, you're waiting, you're waiting. You hear the soundtrack go, Heep. and then nothing. Nothing comes forward. Bowie doesn't bark. I'm just like, what the heck was that thing? So normally I let Bowie hang out outside after we're done playing fetch and I make breakfast. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. But that's like a mountain lion or something. I'm not letting you hang out there by yourself. So I, I call him inside. Uh, you know, my, my ultimate guess, it's probably just a deer. We get a lot of deer back here because there's not a lot of traffic. It was at least a fox, potentially a coyote, possibly a wolf, but more likely a deer. It was big, whatever it was. Needless to say, that's probably why I didn't need as much coffee this morning. Is just because that thing just got the blood flowing, ladies and gentlemen. Got the blood flowing. Uh, speaking of which, things that got the blood flowing, let's talk about last week's game against the Denver Broncos. That's right. Our 16-game streak over the Denver Broncos has come to an end. I believe it was the third longest winning streak over a single team in NFL history. My guess is, I don't know what one and two are. My guess is the, the Patriots probably had something over like the Jets during the Tom Brady era. Well, not the Jets. The Jets beat them. Maybe like the Bills. Some divisional team is my guess. I, I couldn't tell you what number one is. Maybe, maybe the Brady Patriots had like two of those win streaks. But needless to say, it was fun while it lasted. Got to give props. Uh, this is only the second time the Broncos have defeated the Chiefs since I have moved to Kansas City. So just let that sink in. It's been a while. Uh, but man, I tell you what, it's funny because like this one didn't hurt and it wasn't like the most frustrating game. It was just one that after a certain point, I'm like, oh, well, this game's not happening. You know, I just kind of like accepted it. I'm like, all right, on to the next one. And I think I may have even felt that way back into the first half. Uh, just, you know, Mahomes throwing an interception, MVS fumbling that ball, which I'm not going to play the refs too much today. I think the refs were mostly fine. Uh, the one that really gets me now is this is the second time in as many weeks where the NFL really needs to fix and figure out and decidedly make the decision on what constitutes a football move or ever in, in these like catch to fumbles. Because I said it again, it happened twice this last Super Bowl where Nick Bolton should have had two touchdowns. It was the exact same play and they ruled it different both times. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you, you clowns. And then in the last two weeks, the same things happened where, you know, someone's like caught the ball, kind of began to tuck. And like the minute they begin to tuck, they get whapped and they fumble it. And again, they've called it different both times. And it's just like, okay, I, I don't even know what to say anymore on this. Like you, you have to patch this rule, fix this rule, do something. But again, I'm not saying that's why we lost. I'm just saying down the road, that's something that really needs to be looked at. It's starting to get really frustrating. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, where it all went wrong. Where it all went wrong. So I've tried to write down my thoughts for this game and this podcast. because I, I only have a limited amount of time and no Armando here to soundboard things off of. So uh, it was advised to me that it might be best to kind of write down my thoughts and have some sort of train of thought. Create rails for my train of thought, so to say. So here we go. First things first. Right out of the gate. Comes out, tweet before the game, Mahomes has the flu. Unfortunately, those of us in Kansas City 
were dreading that possibility because earlier in the week, we're talking like Wednesday, Thursday, it was reported that Brittany and the kids had the flu. And if you've ever lived with anybody for a period of time, you know, I can only imagine amplify that times five having kiddos. You're going to catch what they catch. It's happened to me three times since I've lived with my wife. You're going to catch what they catch. So we're kind of holding our breath. We're like, can it just hold on until like Monday? Can he get sick on Monday? Nope. He got sick, uh, got sick on Saturday and you could tell it in Patrick's play. I mean, you absolutely could tell it in Patrick's play. He was a step slower. Everything seemed more labored. He was sluggish. That INT wasn't like him. Uh, you know, to make matters worse, having the flu and playing a professional football game in what was it like tendery weather at altitude? <sighs> Guys, that sucks. That's going to be difficult. You want every flu game to be Michael Jordan flu game. Not every flu game is a Michael Jordan flu game. And all things considered, Pat didn't play terribly. He did his best. He did his best, but when you're literally hooked up to IVs all game, there's only so much the guy can do. And this is what's so frustrating. I'll talk about this later on, but it's the concept that in most games, I think if Patrick is healthy, I think he could have dragged us kicking and screaming to the finish line on this one, but without him being there, the cavalry was not coming, and he just couldn't kick it into that fifth gear to win and, you know, will a victory like this for us so right out of the gate the patrick flu i think it's important i think it was impactful it sucks but hey that's football that's football the second big thing i'm gonna go back and talk about the mccall hardman muffed punt setting the stage for you 11 minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter chiefs are down 9 to 14 broncos are punting uh, friend of the podcast, Rad Russian Alex Nikolenko will tell you as he was watching the game with me. I said, "Oh, great!" I'm like, "Watch this!" I'm like, "He's," I'm like, "McColl's got a ton of space. Nobody's in his vicinity." I'm like, "Just watch him muff this for like absolutely no reason." And like two seconds after I say that, muff, muff, and of course, no Chiefs blockers back there to pick up the muff. Denver picks it up. They score a few plays later to go up twenty-one to nine. I was very frustrated because that was absolutely like a flip of the coin thing right there. It's like normally should someone let that go into the end zone? I was like, yeah, that's statistically what it says. But if you let it just bounce, my guess is with how this game was going, Denver would have downed it inside like the three yard line or something. I'm just being sour grapes with that. No, uh, I, I stand by it. There was a lot of hang time on that punt and the Denver Gunners were taking their time to get down there. So I did see McColl had a lot of space. So honest to goodness, in my head, I'm like, this will legitimately go one of two ways. I'm like, McColl's about to bust one because of all the space he's going to have to get up to speed, or he's just absolutely going to muff this. And unfortunately, I must have willed into existence the concept of him muffing it because he absolutely did. Just for no reason, untouched, botched, muff, game over. The frustrating thing about this is that as we talked about when we brought McColl back onto this team, is that great, now we can finally shore ourselves up at punt returner, right? Wrong. This is now three different punt returners this season alone. Four, if you want to count the debacles last season with putting Sky Moore back there as a punt returner, that we have had nobody that we can rely on to simply field or fair catch a punt. This is... Mind-boggling to me because for over 25 years of watching football, you know, I can just be like my team, the other team. I'm like, someone's gonna catch this. Like, if it's a fair catch, yeah, just watch. They're gonna kind of get under it. You know, do that little like, I don't even call it, the hydraulics of the legs. You know, where you kind of like sink into it, catch it, boom. I'm doing it in my chair right now. It's like you sink into it, you catch the punt, you either run with it or you fair caught it. End of game. The last two seasons in particular for the Chiefs, I don't know what's going on, but anytime it's time to field a punt return, I'm like. Oh, shoot. I'm like, we're probably going to muff this. I'm like, I do not trust for a second that we're going to catch this. It's honest to goodness. The internal feeling of when we're returning a punt or fielding a punt is not unlike an onside kick where it's just like, statistically speaking, you're going to come up with this. Like they're not going to, you know, there's not going to be a crazy bounce. You know, there's not going to be a, you know, a slippery hands and the other team recovers their own onside kick. It's likely not going to happen. But it's a eerily similar feeling anytime the Chiefs have to return a punt that I'm just like, I've seen all the ways this could go wrong. I can imagine all the ways this can go wrong. I have a bad feeling this could easily go wrong. 
The frustrating thing on this is that we've talked about this in the podcast before, but is it time to honestly start questioning Dave Tube? I mean it. Between it's one thing to be risky and feel the punt that deep the way Hartman does. We know Dave Tube likes to gamble, you know, opportunity to take it out, take it out. Okay, I get it, you know, high risk, high reward. But as I've mentioned, three different punt returners this season, four if you count Sky, and we still have punt muffing problems. I can't think of a time in the last two seasons where I've watched another team muff the punt. So it's Chiefs, four people muffing punts, versus the field, zero people muffing punts. There has to be some sort of correlation there at the very least, right? I don't know what's going on, but it's incredibly frustrating. Do you not have them shagging balls back there? Are you not telling them to, like, I don't know, count to half Mississippi before they start running when they touch a football? We need some answers, and we need some results, and fast. The other big thing that kills this game. 7 minutes, 45 seconds left. Chiefs down, 9 to 21. It's fourth down and two, and Mahomes throws an absolute, oh my goodness, dime to the back of the end zone to a Sky Moore who has a full step on his defender, and I'm like, oh baby, but guess what? Even though my mind logically saw all this, the perfect pass, Pat being able to plant his feet and step into it, Sky Moore with a half step open, I kid you not, just like the muff punt, I said, how is Sky going to drop this? And he just dropped it. You saw it coming. It's just mind-boggling. Because that wasn't even like a 50-50 kind of jump ball that like Joe Burrow likes to throw. Just be like, oh, screw it. I got one of my three wide receiver ones down there. Dude, this is probably a 75% or 80% catch rate ball. Like the defender is going to have to make some sort of crazy move and either like punch the ball out after you have it in your hands. But Sky couldn't even get it in his hand. He couldn't. It was mind boggling that a professional wide receiver couldn't even get hands on that pass. Dude, what are you doing? Now, I know Andy came out in the press conference a couple of days later and said, ah, you know, Sky kind of got his arm held. Dude, I've gone back and watched that play half a million times. At best, the Denver defensive back maybe kind of like high-five pats his back shoulder. Sky lost that pass, or at the very least couldn't line himself up to even make a play on the ball, which is disgusting, and it's frustrating, and it blows my mind. The reason these are both so annoying, let's go back to the muff pump for a second here. When we're down 9-14 to 14 with 11 minutes and 30 seconds left, it was fully in my head that I'm like, we're still going to win this game, honestly. Well, I know that contradicts what I said earlier. Given the circumstance, 9-14 to 14 with the punt, I kind of changed for a second. I'm like, okay, I'm like, we're, if we return this ball, you know, it would not shock me. Big return here. We go up 16-14. Don't turn back. We win this game. Uh, that obviously was not to happen. When it's fourth and two, and I saw Mahomes throw that pass. Like I said, you microprocess all this stuff so fast that when I saw Mahomes throw that and I saw Skymore open, I'm thinking like, okay, if we score a touchdown here, or even just that drive, if we score a touchdown on this drive, I'm like, it's still 21 to 16, probably, you know, making the extra point. I'm like, I still think we win this. Like, I think a touchdown followed by a three and out is likely, and then we find another touchdown, win an ugly game, go home, lick our wounds. I honestly thought we were still going to win it in that situation. The fact that we had two situations like that, and they blew both of them, Blew my mind. That's all I can say. Blew my mind. I think it's time to start talking about some very frustrating elephants in the room. Uh, I know Travis Kelsey on the New Heights podcast this week finally came out. And uh, I don't know if you've listened to the sound clip, but what he says is already pretty darning enough. But to hear the way he says it audibly uh, makes it even worse. I'm just going to talk about some highlights from that podcast, some lines that came out that I think are worth noting. Uh, he says the Chiefs look disjointed. You talk about that sense of urgency on the sideline. It didn't feel like we had too much of that, he recalled. And when we finally had that sense of urgency, we turned the ball over. That's been a song and dance of the year. There doesn't seem to be any sense of cohesion, urgency, or fluidity on this Chiefs team. I would say they've played probably they've probably played 
three halves of good offensive football that look like the Chiefs. Two of those I'm not even counting because it was against the Bears in perfect conditions when the Bears were at like their absolute lowest. And I would say the first half against the Chargers, yes, they looked like the Chiefs. But even then, in the second half against the Chargers, they looked disjointed. They didn't flow. They didn't score any points until late in the game. It looked more like that frustrating Chiefs offense. As Patrick or as uh, Kelsey goes on to say, our defense is playing their tail off, man. And for us to keep turning it over and putting them in bad positions and them saving our tail, it's getting real one-sided. And that's very true. Uh, we've talked about this before. I do think this is a very good Chiefs defense. I think you can probably safely say this is arguably a top 10 unit in the NFL right now. But the problem is with the offense playing the way it is, this isn't a good enough defense to be like, yeah, we're going to hold every team to under like 16 points for you. You just have to get past 16. This isn't one of those defenses, unfortunately. And even against this Broncos team, you know, with all these turnovers, very few teams are going to be like, yo, we'll spot you a muffed punt inside the 15-yard line and let them score. Yo, we'll spot you a turnover that happened within our 50-yard line. We'll spot you dropping a gimme touchdown on fourth down. That's asking a lot. Five turnovers in this game. There's very few teams you're going to beat in the NFL, if ever, with five turnovers. Unless you're Ricky Stanzi playing for the University of Iowa, baby. Yeah, go, go look up the Ricky Stanzi game against Indiana, 2009, Halloween, Good times. Good times. Travis Kelsey goes on to say, not putting up touchdowns week after week is getting old. It's getting old to watch. I know it, Chiefs Kingdom. I know it is. It sure is. It sure is. I think the biggest thing he says is when he's talking about the wide receivers, which we've talked about is a huge huge sore spot on this team this year so for fixing the problem Travis says it starts not killing ourselves that's very obvious but then he goes on to say just guys running the wrong routes guys not making blocks guys dropping the football now during this clip if you watch the actual clip he like points to himself and all that stuff but I think he's doing that as a good leader I think we all know there are guys running the wrong routes out there. If you go back and watch the all 22 footage, even just the clips that show up on Twitter, you'll see so much bunching up of receivers and wrong routes being run. So it's not creating space. It's not creating any open receivers. And when you have guys that struggle at getting separation, if they're all going to run and not look at the playbook and just wind up in the same area, they're like, okay, how can we get less separation? Oh, let's literally bring all the defensive backs and linebackers to the same area where we are. Yeah, that's great. Great call. Even the last interception Patrick threw in that game, was something incredibly similar. Wrong routes were run. Patrick had to throw a ball where suddenly there were three defenders in that vicinity. It's just like, guys, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Kelsey says, it's a challenge at this point in the season to get things right right now before it gets out of control and it gets really bad. Oh, and it can get really bad. So let's first start with talking about guys running the wrong routes and guys not making blocks. I've already gotten on him once in this podcast, but let's drop some empirical evidence here on Sky Moore. Sky finished this game with one reception for eight yards. That's your second round pick. A full year and a half now into the NFL, one reception, eight yards. That's starting to become the standard for this guy. Looking on, he currently has 14 receptions and 168 yards on the season. That's really bad. Travis Kelsey does that in one game sometime. Now, I know Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey, but plenty of receivers do a 14 reception, 150-plus yard game. Plenty of number one wide receivers do that. Currently, Sky Moore's season high, three receptions for 70 yards against Jacksonville, but... Remember, 54 of those yards came on a broken coverage play late into the game where there was nobody on his side of the field. You cannot add, that's batting practice. So you take that away. He has two receptions for 16 yards in that game. What's that? One reception for eight yards doubled. Go figure. His other high this season is four for 42 
against the Chicago Bears. This is not looking good for Sky Moore. It is not looking good for Sky Moore. Now, here's the thing. This had me wondering, and it's very concerning for me. Let's go back a couple seasons now. I think this was a full two seasons ago. Early on in the season, I think it was like week three, week four maybe, the Chiefs play Baltimore. Baltimore is looking to get that Chiefs monkey off of their back or whatever you want to call it, the kryptonite game or whatever they said. And it's late in the game. Chiefs are driving, put together a drive that all they need to do is set up to kick an easy field goal. It was, I believe it was inside the 30-yard line. Just set it up to kick an easy field goal, chew clock. That's all you got to do. A handoff to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's already had a pretty frustrating game. All he has to do is not fumble this handoff to eat clock and set up the ball for a field goal. And he gets hit and he fumbles. Turnover, game over. Now, why do I bring this play up? If you wanted to go back in Clyde's career timeline and point to the one nexus point where it's been all downhill from that juncture, it was the Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble on a third down handoff to nowhere to set up a game-winning field goal. From that point on, Clyde lost the trust of the fan base. He lost the trust of the coaches. And he lost the trust of Chiefs Kingdom. It's been all downhill ever since. The importance of this. Will Sky Moore's dropped dime in the back of the end zone be his Clyde Edwards-Alaire handoff fumble where he has officially lost trust of the team, of the coaches, and of Chiefs Kingdom? They're very eerily similar situations. Now, the Skymore touchdown wouldn't have guaranteed us a victory the way that the chip shot field goal against Baltimore would have. But, like I said, you make that game 21-16 with seven and a half minutes left. Still a lot of football to be played. You got the better offense. You easily score another touchdown in that game if you got the momentum. Will the drop dime in the back of the end zone be the play where Sky never recovers? So, I know I've been bashing on the guy. I know I've been saying he's a bust, and I got to say, right now, he's looking very close to pure bust material. So I went back to try and make myself feel better, and I looked at Sky Moore's best game as a chief, and that would have been Week 11, 2022 against the San Diego Chargers. In that game, Sky Moore had five receptions for 63 yards, including several on third down in contested territory. Since then, what's happened? Going back and watching those plays, Sky Moore was running a lot of short curl routes. He was running a lot of slants. We were getting him in the short to borderline intermediate game. Where are we seeing Sky Moore this year? They're lining Sky Moore up on the outside of the field where he is not built to play that. Sky is a fairly slow, short unathletic wide receiver why are you lining him up on the outside like he's randy moss it makes no sense it seems to me that they've almost abandoned the concept of sky playing in the slot where if you watch sky play if you see his build if you see the kind of routes he runs you cannot tell me this guy's not randall cobb but Randall Cobb knew his role. Randall Cobb was a slot receiver who would sometimes be the third or fourth read and make a big play down the field when Aaron Rodgers needed it. Why have we abandoned Sky Moore in the slot? I don't understand that. Now, I know the big thing is, well, we have a lot of guys that could play in the slot right now, like Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Rashi Rice. list seems to go on. Okay, but why don't you just rotate those guys into the slot then? Why do we have to have everybody running like a complete route tree? It makes zero sense to me. We're getting at the point in time where I think we know what roles these receivers play best. So why are we still having them run complete route trees? Why aren't we saying like, you're our specialist to this. You're our specialist to that. You're going to be doing this primarily. You can mix and mingle a little bit, but we need to find some sort of offensive rhythm and consistency. It's frustrating. That's the name of the game is, it's just frustrating. So, my final words on Sky Moore before 
I just let this drop for the week. You see people online quick to remind us, well, Sky had, you know, a huge clutch play in the Super Bowl. He caught that touchdown pass. Eh, yes, he did, but the scheme caught the touchdown pass. If anything, we may have said this last year, we're probably pretty thankful that Sky didn't turn his head up field with how much open field he had and drop that pass that hit him square in the mitts. The scheme scored the touchdown on that, not Sky Moore. Let's not get that confused. But do I want to believe that Week 11 2022 Sky Moore is still somewhere in there and can be released? I want to believe. I want to believe. So here's the big question. As I mentioned, Travis Kelsey said, we have to get this thing right right now before it gets out of control and it gets really bad. Can the offense be fixed this season? The Chiefs stood pat at the trade deadline, didn't make any major moves. There was some talk they might go after Terry McLaurin, who I think would have been a fantastic addition, who they could have gotten for a fairly plum deal. But they stood pat. They believe in their wide receiver room. At this point, do we give the coaches the benefit of the doubt? Of course we do. They're two-time Super Bowl winning champions. Andy Reid's been to like, what, four Super Bowls? These guys have forgotten more about football in the last week than I've ever known. We have to trust them. It sucks. We have to trust them. But here's the biggest thing that this offense is missing right now. And either we don't have it, or they're just not scheming it up, or they're not wanting to show it because they know they got to save the good goods for the back half of the season and Lord willing the playoffs. We've talked about it in the podcast before. What are we missing this year? We don't have a Juju Smith-Schuster. The Chiefs do not have a Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know a lot of people are wanting to say, oh, well, you know, Juju's not playing so well this year. Like, he wasn't really a wide receiver one. Okay, all that stuff. No. Calm yourself right now. Calm yourself right now. Last year, Juju had 933 yards in 14 games in the regular season. That's basically a 1,000-yard receiver when it's all said and done. Who in this receiving room right now is going to be skirting with 1,000 yards by the end of the year? Travis Kelsey's fighting to hit 1,000 yards by the end of this year. And last year, you had a 1,000-yard Juju and like a 1,200-yard Travis Kelsey. We don't have someone coming up to fill this position right now. That's a big problem. Also, think back and remember, late in games, third downs, deep in the territory, third quarter, fourth quarter, who always seemed to pop up with a late game catch or a drive extending catch on a drive that was really disjointed? It was Juju Smith-Schuster. Who was held late in the Super Bowl because they feared that receiver? It was Bradbury on Juju Smith-Schuster. You don't have to hold our receivers right now. You have to hold Travis Kelsey still a little bit, which the Broncos did a great job of doing that. But who do you hold on this team? Who in this team do you fear on third and 12 when there's a disjointed drive going on and the offense can't get going? You don't fear anybody. We do not have a Juju Smith-Schuster and that's what's killing us. Can Sky Moore fill in that Juju Smith-Schuster role? I don't know. Juju had a bigger body. Juju wasn't particularly athletic, but like I said, Juju was always there, very sure-handed, drive extender. That's the closest I would say that Skymore looked in that Week 11 game last year. But for whatever reason, we're not scheming anybody or we don't have anybody with the skill set to take that position. This is what's troubling. I'm still hearing all these things of, oh, well, the Chiefs are still ranked, you know, the fifth best offense overall by pro football focus. Or, you know, you look at their stats, you know, they're they're one of the top five adjusted offensive per game. No, 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 no. To quote DMX, forget what you heard. It's what you're hearing. In this case, forget what you see on the stat sheet. It's what you're seeing. And I tell you what, this offense looks like trash. It looks disjointed. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. It looks like they can't get a cold car started in a negative 20 degree in an upper Midwest winter. The Chiefs are currently top four in several offensive metrics. Total yards, yards per game. They're top three in passing yards and passing yards per game. Does this look like an offense who's putting up yards and putting up all these different metrics per game? No, this looks like a bad offense. But here's the rub. The Chiefs are currently 10th in points and 12th in points per game. That's dipping 
very close to being very middle of the pack, very average at best. Now, if you want to say this is an average at best offense that has a superstar quarterback that can drag the team kicking and screaming, I think I'm going to agree with you on that one. That's what's very frustrating and concerning about this offense is that if you have a game where we're playing in the playoffs and the other team decides to double team and maul Kelsey all game and hold him, who's going to step up? If Patrick had his ankle folded, which has seemed to be a thing over the last two years, or in this case, Patrick has the flu and he can't step up, who in the receiver room is going to step up and be able to make this happen? Right now, it looks like it could be Rashi Rice. He's still got a bit of a case of the drops. He does. He dropped a big one in this game. Incredibly frustrating. But he's sort of exonerating himself with all these other big plays he's making and surpassing what our expectations of him as a rookie. But who's going to step up? Who's going to show some consistency here? I'll tell you what. I'm very worried. I'm very worried, and we're going to start with this Dolphins game right here. So the Dolphins, as we know, are the best offensive team in the NFL by a bunch of metrics. Now, I know some things are skewed, and I know they put that 70-burger up against the Broncos, and we couldn't. Okay, yeah, whatever you want to say. I also don't think the Broncos' defense is as bad as everyone's saying, oh, this is an all-time bad defense. We can only manage this many points. Guys, no. You take away that one brain fart game, which is a massive brain fart, against the Dolphins. This is probably a very average Broncos defense. An all-time bad defense doesn't have dudes like Patrick Sertan and have dudes like Josie Jewell on that defense. No, get out of here. Get out of here. The Chiefs defense in 2019 was scores worse than the Broncos defense. But the Dolphins have a very high-powered offense. They have the fastest player in NFL history in Tyree Kill, and you better believe there's a chip on his shoulder. Now, he's done his best not to give us billboard material leading up to this game. Okay, that's fine. The only thing is he has about a year and a half of receipts since he left Kansas City. Not to mention he keeps changing his story about how the whole thing went down. I think the newest iteration is he he told Rosenhaus he wanted to stay with the Chiefs. Rosenhaus said, okay, we'll hardball him and tell him, you know, you have to trade us if you don't meet this number. So they traded us. I Like I said, I've heard like three or four iterations of that story now at this point. It's getting old. He's given us billboard material. But here's the thing. I think we can put a lid on this Dolphins defense, but we can't hold them off. People forget, there's that adage, the best defense is a good offense. Eh, That's a bit of a hyperbole. The best defense is a good defense with an offense that complements the defense. Because so many times, watch the University of Iowa play football if you want an example of this. The defense can't do it all by themselves. Part of that defense is the offense being out there, giving the team a spell or giving the defense a spell while also putting points on the board. You have to demoralize the other team with long drives ending in some kind of points. You have to demoralize the other team by having a defense they can't score against while having an offense that keeps pushing that pushing that finish line farther and farther away from you, stretching those points that now you have a defense you can't score on and you got a deficit you got to catch up to. That's what makes a good defense. Right now, we are not playing that on offense, and that's what worries me against the Dolphins. What happens when we get down four points, we just can't quite close the gap, and suddenly, big old busted play to Tyreek Hill in the fourth quarter, we're down 11 points. We haven't been able to score all game, and now we're down 11 against a team that runs the ball the best in the NFL, against a team with more speed than a nightclub in the 80s, that's not good. That's really not good. The other thing we need to start looking forward to is that we have played probably the easier part of our schedule. Now, it's not an absolute murderer's row coming up, but who we do have left to play is very disconcerting. Very disconcerting. Looking at the remaining games in our schedule here, we have the Miami Dolphins coming up this week. We also have the Philadelphia Eagles coming off of the bye. We have Buffalo Bills waiting week 14, and we have the Bengals in week 17. As we are playing right now, I count those as four automatic losses. You can see it. I am stamping my desk with four L's on the schedule. So at best, we're finishing with six losses. We also have tricky games in there. We have to go at San Diego last game of the year. We also have to go to New England, who is not playing well, but you know Belichick's going to scheme something up. Those are another two potential losses right there. We could potentially be looking at eight losses 
before this season's over. Now, I know that's saying, assuming we lose to all the good teams and beat all the bad teams, but do we think we're going to beat all the bad teams? We didn't beat the Lions earlier this year. That was a game we should have won. Lions aren't bad, but Lions should not have beaten us. Broncos beat us. We should not have lost to the Broncos. Absolutely not. I'll tell you what. It's unfortunate because there's a lot of tiebreakers coming up in there. Bengals and Bills are only a game behind us both. Bill, uh, now, the Bills have skirted, I think, two one-score games that came down to the last play of the game that they were bailed out by penalties. They should have like five losses at this point, but they don't, and we still got to play them. Tied with the Dolphins right now. The Dolphins, you better believe, are going to want to win this game and take control of the AFC. The Bengals, you better believe they want revenge. We'll be playing at Who Day freaking what's crazy stairs stadium. I don't I hate that place, but you better believe that's going to come down to playoff seating. Hopefully those are some big games, very big games that I don't trust us beating any of those teams right now. Not with the way this offense is looking, not with the way this offense is looking. Now, do I think we'll actually lose all those? I'd like to believe we skirt one of those games away from them, but as it looks right now, my glass isn't just half empty. My glass is half empty, and I'm told there's a 15-year drought on the way. Not looking good, Chiefs Kingdom. Anyway, I hope I am wrong here. If I have to give you a prediction on this Dolphins game, uh, I think, given the time change... No, you know what? No, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I think, uh, I think the Dolphins are going to come out. I think McDaniel is going to want to do like his coolest Fortnite dance offense he can. And I think they're going to probably drop... I think they drop... Tw- 30 points on us, given the offense they'll run. I think we can only manage... Dolphins don't have a good defense. I say we put 20 on them. I think Dolphins win 30-20. to And going into the bye week, we have a lot of questions that need to be answered. A lot of questions that need to be answered. Like, what the heck was behind my fence this morning? Okay, I've already gone over time. That's all the time we got. Thank you so much for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Check us out at Patreon if you like what you hear. We have exclusive content there accessible for the price of one cup of coffee a month. That's right. For just $2, you can get access to bonus episodes, mini-series, uh, film reviews. It's a great deal. Also, check us out on Instagram at uh, Fountain City SM. We post updates for the Chiefs. We post memes, episode previews. It's all good stuff. So thank you for listening to Fountain City Sports Media, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always... I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.